Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Hey, listener, Zach Harper here, Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y 467369. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So what do you think? It's showtime.
get right, the show guys. started, guys. Yeah. I get it cracking. What? Uh, what are Remember we... how to do this, Jason? <laughs> no, I don't. It's been so long. Yeah, Birdman Head Rub. Let's get it. Back. Okay. <laughs> Welcome it back. Yep. Yeah. Right okay. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Showtime. I'm your host, Jason Madison, joined always by my illustrious co-hosts Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What's going on, guys? I missed you. Group hug. <laughs> Bring it in. Bring Atlanta it in. came back for a second season in a year, so we had to come back. We can't leave you hanging. Can't right. leave you guys hanging. I'm excited. I'm just gonna say that. I'm excited. I'm excited, but I'm like really sad because this has been one of the only shows that I make sure I tune into since it started. Mm. And so now that it's this is the last run, I don't feel good about it. Right. I feel that. Yeah, I was I was watching it. I was getting kind of like, damn, this is it. Like, they gonna wrap it right here, you know. And I re- I was remembering like all of the negative criticism I was giving them in season three, and and I was like, <laughs> you like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on them. I really love this show. I love the characters. I love Darius. I'm gonna miss that guy. You know, earn show back up they turned it back into a regular show again that was really what what would put my heartstrings the hardest because i was like oh they're giving me what i want damn i did actually really fuck with this which is funny because they might pull the rug right from under you <laughs> yeah, exactly episode. we just yeah. never know we how never things know. are gonna go we never know. You never know. Yeah, they gave us they gave us two in a row here for the the initial drop, and yeah, episode one was called "The Most Atlanta," and mm-hmm. I feel like it was almost fan service, right? Like you were saying, Jay, like they got back to what they do, they got everybody back in the mix. We're back in Atlanta, and that felt like a pretty classic episode. And then episode two, "The Homeliest Little Horse," I think in some ways was kind of winking at brown skin mirror from season three you know because yeah it was a plot line with the the woman in the book yep it was like a combo of the strange parts of season three that were kind of hit and miss and the old stuff of the show it was like okay we're gonna throw in a random storyline but we're actually gonna connect it this time (laughs) to the real storyline yeah look at that isn't that wild would they actually pay it off (laughs) yeah and that was a great payoff i loved it Yes, yes, that was that's what I'm saying. I really fell back in love with the show because they did all of the things. It's like it's almost like they're listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, but oh yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, Maze, can you do your usual and read us what the um, oh, episode the title? Yeah. Yeah, so the most Atlanta, woo, child. ATL is the <laughs> ghetto these days. I'm thinking about moving to Miami where it's safe. Leave all my exes on red. <laughs> and then the homeless little horse, we got grown men out here being this petty. Y'all really need therapy. I don't, because I already know what's wrong with me. <laughs> okay. So we start episode one. Clearly, we're at a Target. We got <laughs> some looting going Tar-Jay. on. Tar-Jay. Tar-Jay. yes, yes. Um, and we have, you know, Darius just casually strolling in. You know, uh, of course, as the viewers, we think like, oh, he's going to come in and see maybe what he can do. No, he's there to return a fucking air fryer. Because he already <laughs> has an oven. Yeah. Which is I my, never one of my favorite lines, just to get this thing started. <laughs> yeah. I never I never thought he was going to lose. I, knowing Darius, he's not going to do whatever everybody else is doing. I never suspected that for a second. I was just wondering where they were going to take us. And yeah, him walking up to the register to return the air fryer was just chef's kiss. Um, and then <laughs> him telling the, him telling the, <laughs> the guy uh, that was working the counter who was in the middle of processing his refund and then decided himself to abscond with the money that he was going to return to him. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it, man. Was just hilarious. That just... That was like the perfect scene, like excellent. And then yeah, and, and then so and then, yeah, he decides so then, to leave. Right, so he decides to leave, and then we get another uh, one of our great uh, Atlanta tropes where they take something from the real world and they put it in the show, which you know they 
probably have done it a dozen times already. This first, these first two episodes, they have the incident that happened during the uh, George Floyd protests where uh, this white lady was in a motorized wheelchair and she was trying to stop looters from um, exiting a store with merchandise and people did not take too kindly to that and they fire extinguished her uh, profusely. (laughs) And so um, this was recreated in the show uh, and she singles out Darius as the lone (laughs) assailant who she wants to uh, track and follow, even though he lets her know from the jump, hey, I'm not stealing this. I'm actually just returning this gift. And yeah, so she then... She's uh, basically like, not on my watch. Not on my watch. (laughs) So what was funny, because I think about that, um, that moment, and I always go back to this like video grab that I've seen from the actual, the real woman who was, you know, sprayed with the fire extinguisher. And it was on Snapchat and someone posted, she's stabbing people. (laughs) Like, did you guys ever see that? (laughs) No. So the fact that they had her in the wheelchair with the knife was yeah. just hilarious. It was hilarious. Yeah, her coming after Darius the whole rest of the episode kind of reminded me of like the tortoise and the hare, where it's yeah. like this. She's like this turtle who's just never gonna stop. Yeah, she's gonna keep coming at this glacial pace. Yeah, and there's that great moment where he gets out of the car when when Alfred is parked in traffic and she's like already there and she like yeah. swings on him. It's like she just slowly crept up on him, but then all of a sudden she appears and he climbs up. There's that time when he climbs up, like, up a level and she can't follow him. She just resignedly just turns around and keeps going. Yeah, yeah that was, He's like, he's like Anakin, I have the high ground. She was. I have the yeah, high exactly. ground. <laughs> and she's just like, so she what? Did. Like, I'm going to find you again. Yeah, she didn't give up. She, she, didn't, she did not let that deter her <laughs> from following him. So, yeah, no, I, I love this episode. It gave me, uh, I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld fans. I think, Maze, you're a Seinfeld guy. Yes. The, par- yes, the parking yes, lot. Definitely intentional. The parking lot vibes, you got that from from this episode? Mm-hmm. Um, so, exactly. yeah. Be, once once they literally can't find their car, but. Yeah, exactly. I thought so, when they ended, so they go to the mall, right? They go to the mall, and it's like a dystopian time portal where every single person is an ex. And they they just keep running into exes over and over and over again. And I love when they go to the AT&T store and Van is like, we went to a Kid Ink concert 10 years ago (laughs) and he's still working here. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I'm just trapped by my job right now, you know. Mm. But, you know, I found this to all be really interesting because they're back in Atlanta, right? And so Mm -hmm. they're like hitting hotspots. So we got Atlantic Station, which is funny because... Everyone that I know from Atlanta always, oh, yeah, I saw such and such. I ran into this person over Atlantic Station. So I could see this being like for for Earn and Van, like they've been out traveling. They're moved on in their life. And then you go back to a specific place back home and it just makes you it gives you that feeling like, man, I should not be here. And then you have the music playing in the background. Deborah Cox, nobody's supposed to be here. And I'm like. Okay, what's happening here? This is some really creepy shit. Well, that's what I was saying. It kind of felt like a like a time portal because it's they when they can't when they start to not be able to get out, that is where it's like, "Oh god, did they accidentally like slip into a loop?" You know? Mm. And then when the other girl, Kenya, I think her name is, is also <laughs> like lost. You know, and she doesn't know how long she's been there. And she says, what was on the marquee when you showed up? She says, now you see me me too, too. which also (laughs) is a cinephobe, but it's from like 2014. So she might have been there for eight years. She just doesn't know. Right. Uh, (laughs) I found hysterical. I was going to say, let me take this opportunity to tell a quick Kid Ink story. So I don't know if you guys know. I went to to high school with Kid Ink. we're actually really good friends. Um, we actually had a fit off in uh, in high school, uh, meaning that we went day for day, fit for fit, to see who could go the longest without wearing the same clothes <laughs> twice. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he fit off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's and David so, Bowie uh, when you need him? Yeah, he it's was a fit off. <laughs> he was the he was the first person that I knew that actually. Um, 
was really into Kanye West. Uh, in 2001, when the Diplomatic Community came out, we were listening to it in Spanish class, and I was asking him, because he was a producer before he became a rapper. He was a really good producer, actually. Um, and okay. uh, I was asking him, like, you know, who his favorite producer was, and he said Kanye West, and I was like, I don't know who that is. Like, And keep in mind, Blueprint had already been out, and I just I had no clue. And at, from that mm-hmm. moment, I was like, oh, okay, like, this dude is really, like, into some shit. He had no tattoos at the time, by the way, in high school. Um then, then he cha- yeah, exactly. He changed <laughs> he changed his name to Rockstar was his first uh, name, and then um, he was signed by Ill Will, DJ Ill Will, and Rockstar. So I think that like prompted him changing his name to Kid Ink, and then he got all the tattoos. So, yeah. Um, so when I saw that reference, uh, <laughs> I kind of chuckled a little bit, but. Um, yeah, the the girl who was yeah, lost. It was a little disparaging the way Donald Glover said it. It was. It was. That's why I that's why I laughed. He was like, uh, yeah, basically like of all people like Kid Ink, like you went to his show like uh uh which is funny. But yeah, and shout out to us getting regular van back. Yes, we have a normal van back, but honestly, if it was uh 2015, I would have gone to a Kid Ink concert. So who wouldn't? Fair enough. Yeah. Who would? Especially if the guy from AT&T that you're crushing on invites That's you, right. you know, be like, yeah, why you're not? trying to get a phone plan, maybe get some <laughs> concert tickets. Like, it's all gravy. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And then we got For the sure. blue the blue, bud, blue blood storyline, which um, I think is another uh, yes. allusion, allusion to a real world, you know, scenario with the uh, MF Doom. Seems like it was kind of touching a little bit on uh, mysterious rap artist who passes away and is not known about his death for a long period of time. You know, people are, you know, extremely infatuated with this artist and look to his music for these secret messages and things like that. So I was getting definitely, you know, MF Doom vibes from that storyline. What did you guys think about that part? Yeah, that was creepy. Okay. (laughs) I was very uncomfortable watching that, especially when he went to the barbecue spot and he sat down. So I guess that was what Earl sweatshirt, um, who was the, the vocalist, the rapper. And from what I hear, he was a huge MF doom fan. Yeah. Okay. And so to have him be the lyricist, which was really funny, but Alfred sits down and, I forgot what the lyrics were, but it was like meat over my head or some yeah. shit. But no, then yeah. he had all the food <laughs> on the no, wall it, behind Alfred. It, it started as like, oh, he's just coincidentally at the place that, that Blue Blood is rapping about while he's pumping gas and he's intrigued. Right. And then it's like, no, sometimes the lyrics start describing literally what Alfred's doing. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah, it got real, real like surreal. Yeah. And I, I loved it. I mean, I, I love scavenger hunt. I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, I did feel bad for his widow and how yeah. long she's been running this. I guess. Yeah. Like to the point yeah. where they replaced his body with a fake skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was so great because it was like I hope you know you're just like anticipating what's gonna be in the box, what's gonna be in that coffin, and then the reveal was just perfect because it was like, oh my god, thank God it's not a human. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. And with, I, the it, 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 with the Braves fit it with the Braves fit cocked to the side. It was like T.I. cocked to the side. Like, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then he got a little flower oh or goodness. a little plant at the funeral. And then, yeah, and then the great moment in the dark, which reminded me of, like, a Woody Allen film, like um, uh, Manhattan. There's, like, a moment where they're in, like, the planetarium. Like, there's not a lot of moments in, in movies where, like, people are in the complete dark. And I just love that where it's like the, both mm-hmm. characters are talking and you're like, what the fuck is going on? You're trying to figure it out. And then they stumble out and they're in the funeral home. That was just like, <laughs> again, that was great. Like they connected the dots and it made sense. Like it didn't make perfect sense, yeah. but it was it made comedic sense. And it was just it was excellent. It's like, wait, you guys are Blue Blood fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they just burst through the closet in the funeral home. That's a time portal to the to the mall that you can't ever escape and and then they and then keisha follows them they give her the the air fryer and then Keisha <laughs> may or may not be dead we're not sure <laughs> right she kenya. may have, kenya. 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 May have, got, may have gotten stab, stabbed up real quick by the lady keisha uh, was the widow that's my i was just looking at this and keisha's the widow that's my fault but yes so, kenya yes n- so, may or may not be dead via 
by a, <laughs> a slow electric rolling wheelchair lady with a knife. So so I guess what battery life does that thing have? <laughs> I guess the the deep question that the episode posed, or at least to me, one of them, you know, I, I was very interested in her monologue to Alfred when they were in the funeral home about, um, you know, Blue Blood not having fun and him basically dedicating the last parts of his life to doing this scavenger hunt that only five people showed up to. But then Alfred, you know, kind of countering her point was saying like, he had a, a very strong impact on my life. Do you guys think that A, it was act, like the work was actually fun for Blue Blood? And, and B, do you think that if you impact only a few people in your life, but you impact them strongly that as an artist, is it, is it worth dedicating your life to, to that and not maybe the people who are closest to you? I mean, I think what the cool part about, about Alfred sharing his, his affection for, for Blue Blood was great artists inspire other great artists, right? So like that's, that's the chain reaction there is that Alfred, you know, is Alfred Paperboy without Blue Blood? Probably not. Right. So that's that's important, but you can never like like as an artist, you can never base your value or your self worth on like mass appeal because then you're kid ink. No, sorry, no offense, Jason. Just <laughs> using the mean, context of this episode, I mean, we're not. It's okay. I don't. I'm listen. I'm not a huge I, fan of I, the, I, the, I, the I'm work. I'm not expressing my own views. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. using the the text as right. my as my explanation here. Yeah, like <laughs> you have to make art that's important to you and that you value so if if blue blood didn't find his own peace like if he was unsatisfied like that sucks but it it seems like with the with the scavenger hunt and with the the kind of underground nature of his artistry he was self-satisfied and he was just like a natural creator so i think i think it worked out for blue blood yeah same i think he seems to be he was he seemingly this fictional character seemed to be like happy with his work. He knew that he had fans that would listen, even though it was only five that showed up and went through the scavenger hunt. But but the day that Alfred found out is the day he went through the scavenger hunt. So that's when the whole world found out that he had passed away. So, I mean, four other people beat him to it. Right. Day of. So who knows who would discover this artist and go down this scavenger hunt rabbit hole, but then also rediscover like all the other music that he had and more fans would come of it. Yeah. More impact would happen. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Jason? Like the whole artistry and the whole having fun part. Man, that's a tricky thing. I think uh, it's because of there's um, differing degrees of talent and uh, difficulty for people to create. Um, some of it is easier for other than others. Um, some people can act really easy or sing really easy or paint really easy. Some people it's, it's painful. You know, you look at a Van Gogh or, you know, like whatever, like, you know, there's so many Mm -hmm. different levels of joy and pain that people experience through their art. And some people are satisfied with, uh, one person loving them and them impacting, you know, one person's life deeply. Some people are Tom Cruise and they have to just keep trying to, you know, impact everybody until the moment they're not here. So, you know, it's like, I think everybody's artists have different souls and their souls approach to it kind of explains their take on it, you know? Um, so, yeah. so basically yeah. most underground artists are content with affecting the people who they affect and you know they're usually usually seem to be happy with that um you know they're not chasing the commercial you know success because it it doesn't mean more to them yeah that's all right anything else that we want to bring up on episode one before we move on to earning therapy (laughs) (laughs) it just felt like your classic episode, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody's got an arc. They're all kind of weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all kind of surreal, and and it's very much reestablishing like the the place. Yeah, the, the world. Atlanta yeah, the, yeah. This show is always depicted, so mm-hmm. right, it is the most Atlanta. 
there was one ep- that was one part of the episode that was kind of eerie to me that made me think that maybe this season will have death as the theme as the running theme mm-hmm. where Alfred isn't he's standing in the parking lot and it just reminded me for some reason of the place where where Nipsey was killed mm. yeah like just the way that it was you know in the corner like, yeah that strip mall I don't know did you guys get a weird like eerie feeling like that I mean you've always had a very intuitive sense right for this show B I would say <laughs> yeah so I trust your your instinct on that I mean, I was thinking. I was thinking about death just in terms of blue blood, because um, you know they don't tell us how he died. They just say that he died mysteriously. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's a good thing to to keep an eye on. His widow did mention that he was sick, and so he knew that the day was coming. So mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. you know was able it to plan a scavenger hunt. Yeah, it wasn't a sudden death. So, mm-hmm. but it was just a really eerie feeling, and with it was just such a long shot of. Alfred just standing in the parking lot for a while. So I was like, what are, what are we doing here? But yeah. yeah, so maybe, you know, this may be a theme that's going on. Yeah, we still we still got we still got the mystery. <laughs> no, I was saying we, we still st- got the mystery of what I was saying at the ending of last season, you know, in terms of the death angle, the urn, urn and urn, white urn, white urn. And we still so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that's going to rear its head. Yeah. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. All right, episode two, we are following Lisa. She's outside having a smoke, kind of lusting after her uh, black neighbor, mm. um, <laughs> which was I was I was a little um, thrown off because she takes her dog inside and she's like, come on, we're going to be late. So do you think she was like being on time to see her neighbor come home and get undressed every day? Yes. What do you guys think she was? OK, so yes. it wasn't just me. All right. Good. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. Oh my God. Definitely. We quickly got sidetracked from that angle of the plot line but yeah that i mean as soon as this episode starts i'm like okay still got a little still got a little brown skin mirror going i get it like we're <laughs> still exploring these themes of of whiteness but yes she gets a she gets a phone call right and then it's about her book and or no she gets an email my bad she gets an email an email with my favorite was like the literary agent of the eastern sea like that title was so grandiose <laughs> and hilarious and so she goes to meet this guy, and Tracy's there, which should have been, which is our first our first tip off. Like, what is Tracy doing here? Right. Love to see Tracy anytime. Always, always appreciate Chaotic. that guy. <laughs> He's on the phone dealing with some complete other shit, and he just kind of like waves her in, and then immediately cuts the meeting off. The guy's like, whirling dervish. We got all these plans for you. You got to get your hair done. We got a reading coming up this Friday. And sh- and by the way, I'm your agent. She's like, "Oh my god, yes, so exciting!" And then let's put it, let's press pause on that, and let's get back to earn. You know? Yeah, Tracy, when he when he calls her in, 
he does it in the most unprofessional way. He just stands there in the in the hallway and, and is like from behind her, he's like, Hey, hey <laughs> and just waits for her to turn around. Like he never did, like excuse me or nothing. This was just hilarious. He's like and then he just like shoes her into the room like, Yeah, follow me. Uh, which was great. I just loved that little moment. <laughs> and then his ten thirty is like four minutes after his ten o'clock, so it's just <laughs> it's it's real quick. But yeah, the whole thing's fucking disorienting. Why is Tracy here? Who is this dude in like some shitty tiny little office who claims to be some literary agent? You know, it, it's all very disorienting, and there's a reason for that. But yes, yes. So I was gonna ask, do you guys go to therapy? Not to like be all up in your business, but is this something that you guys do? I do. I, I go to therapy with my girlfriend once a month, um, okay. which is, which is chill. I mean, it's like, th- that's the right amount of time for me. I think every week it's a little much, um, yeah. but I do appreciate like the check-in, you know, every, every month she's really into it. So like, it definitely wouldn't have been my idea, but I'm totally on board with it. See, that's what I was going to ask. Was it something that you did or you were asked to do it like did you do it on your own uh i've i've tried to do it on my own uh i had like a a bad experience just because like the i went and saw a person and then the next appointment was canceled and then the next time i tried to schedule an appointment they had transferred hospitals so i was like okay well this wasn't meant to be but um i i I have no problem with the experience um but i also you know like i i think i'm a lot more in touch with like certain things than earn is because you really get some stuff extracted from him in this episode, yeah. which I appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Jason? Um, no, I'm in the category of uh, black men who need to go to therapy. Um, and yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> this episode well, is for you. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. It really is. Because, you know, I've been in relationships and, you know, even my current relationship, like we both talk about needing to go to therapy and, um it's something that I've said that I was going to do for a long time. And it's like, you know, that's a, a, a common Twitter joke now of like, you know, uh, guys will do X, Y, Z instead of going to therapy or like, you know, everybody. Um, oh, and I'm one of those people on Twitter saying <laughs> that because, bro, I yeah. was in a relationship and when it ended, I was like, man. And I had been telling him because I could see that he had like some anger things and some things from the past that which is really affecting his current life. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't suggest therapy to him as like a dig or like to be funny or anything. It was like, I think you would really benefit from this. And he pretty much was just like, I don't need it. And when I tell you, I could just literally see him suffering and he would do everything but go and talk to someone about his life. Like buying yeah. motorcycles and like just doing <laughs> doing yeah, everything because yeah. yep. i could tell i was like it's not like he doesn't have the resources he doesn't have you know like he has money to go and do this but he's just putting it everywhere else but self-help yeah that's um that's how we operate you know by and large as black men and um you know a, another you know common twitter joke is the you know, men and women will get in an argument, and then the and then the guy or black guy will say, "Oh, babe, I'm gonna go to therapy." As the argument ender, just like you know, <laughs> let me fix this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely in that in that pool. Um, but I'm also like, I actually want to go. You know, I just I haven't. I just got medical insurance like a couple months ago, and um, and so now I'm trying to you know basically make myself financially stable enough to where i can afford that expense you know in my budget to Mm -hmm. to comfortably do it like you know twice a month or once a month or whatever so um it's definitely on my list and i'm that's really interesting that you say that yeah because we have earn who is now making good money Mm -hmm. and usually oh my god alfred laughing at him on the phone (laughs) you're rich (laughs) off my 15 percent oh my god (laughs) That's hilarious. The fact that he's like, he's he's making good money. He has, you know, his career is just going up. But usually people think, oh, I'm making money. I'm good now. I don't need to go to therapy. So I like the fact that it was like, hey, things are going well, but I need to make sure that I'm good. And I can absolutely relate to that. 
2020, you know, for a lot of people was a terrible year. Um, personally and professionally for me, it was honestly one of the best years I had ever had. And I remember having this feeling like things are going way too good right now. Yeah. And so I started back to therapy because I was like, yo, I need to figure out like why I have this feeling of like something bad is about to happen. Like I was just bracing myself for something crazy just to come up and just really like fuck my life up. And so I was just talking to my therapist about that, about why I couldn't really enjoy my success mm-hmm. and to see earn in this place in his life, but like still going in to make sure he's good on the inside and he's having, you know, chest pains and, you know, a tingling sensation in his arm. It's like, mm. so he's, he's feeling the stress and the, also talking about like medical racism. A lot of black people go in for issues and are completely dismissed of their pain. It's like, oh, you're being dramatic. There's, we don't see anything in our tests. Like you're fine. But he's like, no, I'm not. And as the episode goes on, you know, different therapy sessions, the first session, he's just like not feeling well. He's disconnected. He's distracted by his phone. But by the next one, he's like up and active. He's moving around the room and he just has a different energy about himself. And I really hope that people have paid attention to that like nuance of showing that therapy can actually help you health wise. Yeah, I think it, uh, <laughs> I think it, I think he breaks him down over time, right? Like I, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was all one therapy session at first. I thought that when he came back later, that was the second time, but it could have been more than one. You're right. Um, I love how he explored the space. I love how he was sitting on the couch, then he's lying on the floor, then he's putting his feet up, then he's then there's like a beanbag chair over in the corner that he's going over yeah. to. And I thought the most interesting choice was the therapist. You know, having a yes. similarly aged black man as his therapist who could actually hear him and, you know, almost like the majority of the issues that he brought up were essentially like because he's black. So it's like having Having a man who has probably experienced very similar stuff in his life, at least has the basis for empathy and listening, yeah. was super important. And, you know, like like all therapy, it's not going to happen right away. You got to dig in a little bit. You got to buy in. And then when it starts to, when the guy starts to slowly extract, like, the, the real shit, it comes flowing out. You know, and yeah. all, the, and we get to learn a lot about Earn and a lot about Earn's origin, I guess, because like yeah, it's I like an origin story. Yeah, because we pick yeah, up not, Atlanta season yeah. one, I believe, is right when he comes back from Princeton, mm-hmm. or shortly after that. So I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I I thought um, I thought the choice of actors and the temperament of the therapist was excellent. The guy just gave a great performance, you know, um, and I think that was really important um, to people viewing the show uh, who are hesitant to the idea of therapy, to the idea that they can possibly get somebody like that. I think for black men, a large part of it is that not only do we not want to talk to anybody, it's the thought of the type of person that you would be talking to that is also a major deterrent, right? Um, you don't want to be giving your secrets to a stranger or to some, you know, a white person or or older person or, uh, you know, even a, uh, a woman who might be judgmental of your manhood. Or, you know, there's a lot of uh, things right. that that men don't want to speak about in terms of their reasoning behind not wanting to do something. And um, I thought their character choice was perfect to kind of uh, alleviate all of that. Um, I love the way the scenes were shot, um, the, even his posture, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what Maze was saying, um, in the beanbag chair, you know, the way the light was hitting him as he's telling this story, I thought the story was a great anecdote about race and behavior, um, and, you know, how institutions work against, um, you know, minorities, and they always take the side of, you know, the you know, white people and especially white women. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a little bit of Emmett Till in that, 
where he's just like, hey, I trusted this white person and they basically fucked, you know, ruined my life, you know. Um, and, you know, they gave me what I thought was some sort of a level of authority, but it, it was really only uh, in name only, right? He didn't really have any authority and they were basically just giving him a string to see if he would fuck up. And when he did, they, they were quick to expel him. Um, which, whether that story is true or not, it seemed very true. You know, obviously it's a TV show, but it seemed like something that could definitely happen in real life, um, which was another, like, I thought it was a great piece of writing through, throughout the whole episode. And then, you know, explaining how things that happen in your early adulthood, how it can affect, like, the way you show up for the rest of your life. So yeah. we see Earn being a very petty, spiteful person, which... Mm-hmm. As soon as he said something about how he loves being spiteful, it took me back to his um, appearance on the shop where he was like, I'm petty. Like mm-hmm. he was just <laughs> talking about how that just fuels him, how he made his album because someone said that he wasn't he wasn't hot. And it was like, oh, I'm not. OK. And so the, the therapist had a quote. He said, spite can be very powerful, but it can also leave you depressed and empty. Goals stop becoming yours. You start becoming a book written by someone else, someone with no incentive for your well-being. And I was like, "Woo, a word. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's deep. And it's funny that the spite leads out to a woman (laughs) writing a book. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense. But let's let's stay with the therapy for a minute. Let's talk about. So we've got the hint at he's thinking about leaving Atlanta. So that's another probably season long thread that we're gonna follow right. here like he's it, he's le- he's thinking about leaving atlanta he's thinking about leaving van and lottie is what it sounded like it did not sound like he was planning on taking them with him um because he's reticent to even tell them and so that's kind of like the seed of the anxiety and then there's the whole like princeton is reaching out to him because he's made it and they want to they want to make it up to him and so then we unpack the whole princeton experience which essentially boils down to he left a suit with a white woman and then she wouldn't give it back. So we went and took it back and then it blew out of proportion and he eventually got expelled. And what the therapist latches on to is guess not guess. Not. Yeah, that was, that was a forgotten byproduct of <laughs> that situation. Um, well, but what probably the, because of the charges that he got, he was like, very right. like, yes. you know, disgusting yeah. charges that, um so the therapist latches on to trust trust issues the the famous like stereotypical male one of the many issues that all men face trust issues so but he has a very concrete example of like he trusted someone they fucked him over and then the therapist references i can't remember is it is like his is it his family family member yeah yeah his family so it's like okay so this is a thing for Aaron because he also says like i can't trust anyone essentially earlier like i trust people to be who they are the only person i can trust is darius because you know what you're gonna get from darius so like all all of that was you know extracted and that was really powerful i really i really like that a lot and did it help Aaron? jason what do you think did it help him um i think it did I mean, I think anytime you have that kind of like catharsis of being able to cry in front of a, another person, another man, um, as a man, you know, about something that's kind of deep and meaningful to you, it definitely like gets a weight off of you. Um, you know, like I just had a moment like that this week, actually, I was talking to somebody like a guy that I've like worked with off and on for a few years. He was asking me how things were going. I was telling him a friend of mine just passed away from breast cancer last week, and I was just sad about it. And, you know, I just started to cry a little bit, and it was just like one of those things where, you know, I hadn't really had a moment to be, you know, expressive about it. Um, it's just kind of just like, you know, living life and, you know, having little moments, um, but not really connecting that with anybody. So I just know that feeling, and I, like, you, you just kind of can breathe a little bit more, you know, after you get that like get that off your chest you know now i also wanted to comment too on the again the writing of everything and him saying that his intention for the trip wasn't really about the princeton thing it was about 
the conversations that he wanted to have with Van and Lottie about his plans and and about bonding. And I thought that was such a great like human moment for him to express because a lot of times like we're doing things with the intention of doing something that's a lot more deep and personal through through whatever the activity yeah. is, you know. And I thought that was really great that they, they put that in there. Right, because that's the that's the next part. Then he's he's had this moment where he kind of has some clarity and he decides he wants to do the Princeton thing and he wants to go and kind of like maybe pave over the rough stuff from his past. But once again, he runs into institutional whiteness at the airport and they get <laughs> they get denied to get on the plane. They were gonna go to the Sesame Street park. He had a whole thing planned. It all it all came crumbling down. He didn't go. But also, he's realized, you know what? You've given me some tools. I'm gonna take a step back from therapy and uh I'll reach out when I when I need you. And then we get the reveal. Yes. <laughs> what what tools exactly he got. Cause our our girl goes to the library. She's got the baby hairs pressed down on her head. Like for what? Why? I think that was just an extra. That was that was just like that was extra sauce, right? That was just an extra humiliation. She already had the flop sweat on her forehead, like from jump, yep. you know, before she even got in front of the kids. She so you already knew. In. <laughs> her emergency po- su- so support the moment, animal. Yeah, her. Her support dog in in the in the uh, library clerk is like, no, nah. no, it's not. You're lying. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter. Not shit. even not even like you're lying. Like you, I don't care. Like this is a li- Like ma'am, this is a Wendy. It's like you can't be bringing your emotional support animal to the library. Yeah, she's like, and, take that shit to the and airport. That's what she's like. I work. I work at the airport, right? So there's your other like big clue. It's like there's the Tracy yes. thing, then there's the airport thing, and then. They get her up there. She's reading her kid's book about a horse. She's got, you know, this This I can speak on, okay? Because my dad was a professional storyteller. He went around the country. He went to libraries and schools, and he okay. read books. Two kids. Dope. Her performance was trash. She had no <laughs> fucking, like, there was no energy in that. She's She has not practiced this. She wrote the book and she's just like expecting it to hit. She's got to sell that thing. Even though these kids are clearly being paid to not be interested. They're all like, this is boring. This horse sucks. I don't like this horse. They leave. She's humiliated. There's one kid like half sleeping there. They're like, just finish up. You got this. And then we slowly reveal that this is all being recorded. And Jason, I'm pretty sure we briefly talked about this. The rehearsal, man. We yeah. got a rehearsal. Yeah. Style we reveal. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> it's all been orchestrated by Nathan yes. Fielder slash Donald Glover. Yeah. yeah. He paid he, all the actors. Yep. Including yeah. Tracy, who made a nice little nice little envelope of cash off of this. Yeah. And Yeah, he the definitely got thing I've seen in a long time. He definitely got into his Nathan Fielder bag with that. Um. Oh man, we we gotta eventually do a whole episode on the rehearsal. B, I need you to watch that show. It's uh, the most incredible six episodes of, t- of television I've seen in uh, some years, maybe ever. Honestly, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> like it's endlessly fascinating. All right, the rehearsal is on what what it's platform? On, it's HBO. on HBO Max. HBO. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, that was just a great reveal. Yeah, I, I loved her uh, just sweating through the whole thing. The kid saying the horse looks like it's farting. It was just, it was just great. The whole thing was was hilarious. Like yeah. as a parent, I'm I'm watching this like and seeing the parents standing in the back and these kids are like airing out their grievances with the <laughs> story. I was yeah. like, something's going on here. Like, cause usually you'd be like, no, be quiet, you know, be respectful. Right. No, the kids, the parents are letting the shit fly. So I was like, okay, I see something's happening here. What about I the love friend? The reveal, though. Her yes, best friend. The, the meal with the friend <laughs> yes. who's just like, I'm not giving you any more money for your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's basically like, your writing is yeah, trash. For me. <laughs> but she was Dog. like, tell me my writing is good. And she's like, <laughs> I can't uh, do that. <laughs> not going to happen. But that's I'm the lying thing. to you, baby. <laughs> that's the other thing is like, you, you, you submit a manuscript for a kid's book and you don't even have art. Like, 
art is the kids book i hate i hate to be that reductive like yeah it's primary it's more important than the words for sure so like the fact that she thinks she can just get a kids book made just off of like the the humblest horse you know helping (laughs) helping the other horses it's like yeah we've heard of rudolph thank you thank you (laughs) miss thing it's gonna be the new bernstein bears or Berenstain, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Shout out the Mandela effect. Yeah. Yes, but um, the the reveal party that Ern throws and having his people kind of hold him accountable, like, yo, bro, like, what the fuck was that? You did that for what? That happened like two months ago. Like, why are you so like? Why are you doing this? And I really enjoyed having, like, being able to watch Ern go from, like, yeah, I did that shit to, like, wait. Oh, Maybe shit. I should go back to therapy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, so so here's what I want to ask you both. This seemed, I would say both of these episodes, there seemed to be a little bit of a response to the criticism of season three. Number one, it's like, we're putting it in your face that we're back in Atlanta and then in this episode, it's like all the brown skin mirror stuff. Maybe we were just being very petty and organizing all of these storylines to mm. ruin white people's lives, like fictional yeah. white people's. But, you know, it's like putting white people on blast. So would you would you agree with that sentiment? I, I don't know if they necessarily responded to criticism, though, because didn't they film these seasons at this all at once? Oh, they probably filmed them all together. That's so the thing, I, right? Yeah, it's like the timeline. The timeline is interesting. So, but like, it, maybe not the criticism, but just like ref, a reflection of of what they did in the last season. Yeah, I think there might be an angle as well of like, oh, when we drop this, niggas is gonna say and kind of anticipating criticism and yeah. kind of anticipating how people yeah, are gonna react because. It, you know, it like it feels like that's what the writing room is like. Yeah, they they base things on what the projected reaction is going to be. Exactly, and that's kind of what it feels like to me. Um, knowing just knowing that they shot them back to back and that they were probably all you know written in one whole sit down. Um, so yeah, I I mean I don't really. That's the other thing is that I don't really know where the story is going. You know, kind of what you're saying, Maze, with in terms of like. I don't really know where the story is going in terms of uh, the white guilt aspect and the being pettiness towards white people are because um, Donald Glover's wife is white, right? Right. So I don't know what his thesis is on all of this. I guess maybe we'll never know, you know, like, um, but it's interesting that he chooses to pick on white people and he has a white wife. I really am curious to know what Dr. Umar thinks about all this. Maybe they'll have him in the season finale. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah. But isn't that interesting that he chooses to pick on white people and he has a white wife? Like, I'm not, and I'm not knocking him for having one. I'm just, isn't that an interesting kind of concept to live your life like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like through this show, he's probably has some self-discovery and talking about therapy, maybe he's kind of having his own enlightenment throughout this entire creative process where he's seeing all the criticism online about like, Hey, you're, I mean, I mean, in a way he's kind of addressed it when he talked about the, I guess the FUBU episode Mm. and how he's always been like this outcast and that black girls don't really like him like that or whatever the case may be. So I'm interested to see how this all unfolds throughout this season. That exact point, Jason, about him having, you know, a white wife in real life and how he decides to continue to portray white people on Atlanta. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. It'll be interesting to see how many more times they go to that that type of storyline in the rest that of the well. season, you know? I, yeah. I do, I do kind of feel like this was a fake out of the season three stuff. If they do it again, my position will have to change, you know, because it'll be like, okay, no, we're we're continuing to explore this theme. It's not just like winking back at what we've already done. But the rehearsal comparisons were undeniable. I was just, I was, I was yeah. screaming. Yeah, it's changed my no, life forever, Jason. I'll never be able to look at anything the same. 
Never. I mean, I was. I gotta see this shit now. Yeah. No. Seriously. I w- I hope that we can find some time to dedicate an episode to that show, because um, yeah, the level of of genius uh is just astonishing. Like, yeah, I I was just flabbergasted <laughs> from beginning to end. <laughs> like, the first episode is a great standalone, and then the rest of the season, because, I mean. I don't know. I'm not even gonna get into it, B, because you don't, you haven't seen any of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. B, B can watch the first one, and we can circle back next week or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll it's, check it it's out. It's digestible. Sure. It's doable. But yeah. uh, we gotta, we gotta do, give a quick shout out to Young Alfred's favorite movie, Mulan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting little detail yeah. right there. Before yeah. Scarface was the favorite movie, it was Mulan. And he still he couldn't even remember that AOL was called AOL. He thought it was Instant Messenger. So that was a funny little tech support moment from the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode. But yeah, hey man, I mean, I I thought I thought these two were great. I thought these were two really really good episodes, front to back. I thought they were very different. I thought they showed the range of what this show can do. And I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for another eight. See how weird we can get. So now that I have you guys here. I uh, read that. Uh oh, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I know we're cornered. I read that Netflix. <laughs> I don't. I don't like the way that said. Starts. Now that you're here, yeah. Are you gonna like so, serve us both papers or what's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this a uh, Olivia Wilde situation. So I read. I read that Netflix is flirting with the idea of taking away the whole binge aspect of their TV shows and making it week by week. How do you guys feel about that? I'm all for it because you know I love having time to digest it, the conversation that goes along with it. I feel like I'm so left out because I'm not a binger. So a show comes on Netflix and everyone has seen every single episode. And I'm like, oh, I can't even like join in. I feel so left out. Right. Um, I think they're doing it because they need ad dollars uh, to sustain their business um, long term. And they're trying to figure out ways to... uh, modify their business model right now because they can't um, maintain getting 30 million subscribers every year to the end of time so they have to find other ways to uh, pay for 300 million dollars stranger things seasons and i don't i mean i don't hate it like that's they want to do then fine like i don't you know like i enjoy binging shows i'm still i'm sure there are still going to be a handful of shows that will come out like that um and you know they'll decide which ones to to go back to the old model on um i don't you know i don't really care i can wait i can wait the eight weeks if i want to binge the show and just you know watch it whenever i feel like it so it, it really makes no difference to me to be quite honest yeah I've, I've been pretty strongly team week by week uh throughout this whole like last you know wave of of streaming but because you get to enjoy the experience, share the experience. If we were coming on here to talk about 10 episodes of Atlanta, there'd be so many things that we would have missed and wouldn't have time to talk on and would have been forgotten because they've been drowned out by, you know, something that happened in episode five would make you forget about episode two or whatever. So I'm always in the, in the week to week camp. However, I will say, uh, the bear this year, which was on Hulu about it's like the cooking show. That was one where they dropped everything all at once. And I tore through that like wildfire. I think I finished that in a day or two. It was a great experience. And I really enjoyed, you know, being able to just set up another one. Let's go. It's a 30 minute show, which I think, I think that's important is like, if it's shorter, I think binging is more doable. But the thing with the bear is it's like, I, I didn't watch it immediately when it came out i would say i was in like the first week i watched it but then literally you see waves two weeks later a month later two months later and people are like oh my god the bear and it's like so we're not we're not in harmony on this like we're all getting we're all finding out about it or someone recommends it to you and you finally decide to watch it and then you get hooked and then you watch it and then you want to go out in the world and be like oh my god this thing that i just saw was so incredible so while that, that it, it was a very successful show and it built a ton of momentum over time, despite being a binge model, I'm very curious when they come back for season two, are they going to dump them all once again? 
are we all going to be or are they going to go week to week? Because I think that's just a better way to like encourage the conversation. I want I want to revise my answer. I actually want to say as (laughs) as a podcaster, we need the week to week. Maze, you're right, because we can't podcast a show that just drops all eight or 10 or 12 episodes at once. It just doesn't work. You can't, you know, you can't you you can't talk about like if you're going to do a show on it, you you have to cater to the people who maybe only watch three so you still have to break it up into chunk like you know it's it's way way tougher for sure yeah because there were so many great shows that came out that we liked that we couldn't even talk about because they were already out or you know like it was just it took so many shows off the board you know but you know we'll be back next week talking about atlanta again B, you trying three. to take my job? What's happening here? <laughs> hey, you got it. You got it. <laughs> this is Showtime, the podcast where we no longer talk about winning time, which is, of course, on HBO, not Showtime. We'll be back next week to talk about Atlanta. For Bethany Anderson, Jason Madison, I'm Anthony Mays, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.